You're listening to Sort of Spiritual. Not too long ago, I never would have called myself a spiritual person. But in the past few years, I've gone from being broke, sick all the time, feeling trapped in a job that made me miserable, to easily building a six-figure business, finding the most incredible partner, and creating the freedom to live my life. And along the way, it looks like I've become sort of spiritual. In this podcast, I'm going to bring you the most impactful tools and lessons I've found for personal and spiritual growth. In season one, we're diving into human design, my favorite tool for self-awareness, easy alignment, and the catalyst behind my massive life upgrade. I'm so grateful you've chosen to join me on this journey. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sort of Spiritual Podcast. I'm so happy that you're joining us for this episode where we have a special guest joining us. It has been a while since I podcasted. If you've been following along on my Instagram, you know that I moved to Mexico for the winter. So I've been here for two months already. I have about a month left before I head back to Toronto. And I'm in this like interesting void feeling in my business where I have a few things that I'm in the process of creating. And I haven't been doing a lot of sharing or informing um, because I'm just kind of in this creation mode, you know, the whole manifestor uninterrupted creative flow cycle. But I did record this episode with Holly Marie, who is an incredible manifestor herself. She has a very cool business working with manifestors and supporting manifestors. And one of my favorite ways of learning in human design, which I know I talk about a lot, is learning from people who actually have the lived experience. So although, yes, I'm a manifester and obviously I can share my experience as a manifester with you on the podcast, I wanted to have Holly come on because she just has a level of expertise when it comes to manifestors, both obviously through her own lived experience, but also through the work that she does. And I thought it would be really cool to dive into some manifestor topics to get a better understanding of who manifestors are, how we operate. And I just think Holly has lots of incredible wisdom to share with us. So I'm going to keep this intro really short. If you are a manifester, if you haven't already listened, I do have two other episodes on manifestors. I also have a manifestor cheat sheet, which you can download. You can actually access the whole cheat sheet library at sortofspiritual.com slash cheat sheet. I'll link that in the show notes for you just to make it super easy. But come follow along my sort of travels and journey on Instagram. If you're not already, come say hi. I'm at sort of spiritual. Again, I'll link that below as well. But let's just get right into the episode so that Holly can share all of her incredible wisdom with us. We had a really fun conversation about manifestors. Please let me know if you're a manifester. Send me a DM. Let me know if you learned something new. I loved this episode and I hope you will as well. Okay, let's get into it. Holly, hi, welcome. I am so, so excited to have you here. I kind of feel like I'm talking to like an older, wiser sister, and I actually have no idea how old you are, but the fact that you're like a four, six splenic many, I'm like, oh, she has wisdom. Give it to me, please. (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. I am nearly 38. So I think, I don't know, maybe that makes me a little bit old and a little bit wise, at least a smidge. 
a, a little, a tiny bit older than me. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> that's just like the vibe of it. I'm like, Oh, you have wisdom. Like, you know, something and just working with so many manifestors, which is so incredible. Um, so if anyone who's listening doesn't know who Holly is, she runs an incredible business that serves manifestors. So do you want to tell people a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, I am a four, six splenic manifestor myself, um, and a certified human design teacher among many, many other things, which is not at all unusual for a manifestor to be. Um, I do breath work and meditation and Reiki and EFT and a whole bunch of just things that, you know, have been curious to me along the way. But, um, yeah, my business is, is predominantly focused on, on, uh, a community platform for manifestors and providing teaching for manifestors. So sometimes that's within the box of human design language and sometimes that's very outside the box of human design and trying to understand our experiences just in ways that make sense to us and give us more access deeper within ourselves. And um, it was not deliberate. I mean, a lot of people have been like, gosh, it's like genius to you know, focus just on manifestors. It was not intentional. <laughs> I just, I started in the human design space and um, started out like everybody else and speaking to all the types and sharing the system and doing all those cool things. And then I realized, oh, the only thing that actually is of any interest to me whatsoever is speaking to other manifestors. That's it. Mm -hmm. They're the only ones I want to tell anything about themselves. And it, it just snowballed into this really huge, beautiful, amazing community of manifestors. So um it's as much a privilege for me to do this work as it is anything else. It's really, it's constantly, constantly activating me and initiating me <laughs> into new, new things. So I'm part of the community just as much as everyone else is. I love that. And so I'm so curious, just kind of right off the bat. So you're a four, six, you have the conscious four line. I'm a two, four. So I'm an unconscious four line, but I always find it interesting with manifestors and other manifestors, because sometimes I feel like the energy, you know, the way that I kind of envision the manifestor aura is like, we're these big, like um, big rubber bouncy balls, you know, and it's like, we're so dense and like, there's not a lot that gets into us. And I frequently jokingly call her aura or my aura anyways, like that I have a resting bitch aura <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I, I don't, and I don't do it intentionally, but there's just not a lot of space for people to get in. Right. Yeah. So sometimes I find with manifestors, when I meet other manifestors and often I don't know it, but there's just this kind of like, like the, the balls bouncing together, but it's like, there's not a lot of space to connect. So, I mean, obviously you have a massive strength in connecting people, you know, with your four, six profile. So I'm curious what your perspective is on that with like manifestors connecting or how they can just connect with people in general. Yeah. The four, I think having that conscious four, it does make it easier for me just mm -hmm. in general to, to, um, see people, authentically see people for who they are and to, to have that kind of ease of intimate connection with them. Um, and learning human design was really helpful for me to identify that as a strength rather than as something that was too sensitive or, you know, mm. too nurturing or too relational. It really helped reframe that. But even I, you know, like I, I am oddly surrounded by thousands of manifestors all the time. I mean, I have more manifestors than anything else in my life and we certainly bang into each other. Like we <laughs> certainly <laughs> come up against each other in tricky ways. And 
I mean, the best example of that for me is that my dad is a splenic manifester as well. And my son is an emotional manifester. And the dynamic of trying to sit in those two different relationships shows me so much about how manifestors interact with each other because <laughs> there's none of that um, like politeness, you know, <laughs> you yeah. an adult with other people. Like when it's family, there's no manners. It's just yeah. like straight up emotion um, and, you know, all the shadows and all the triggers. So, you know, we do, we, we bang heads. I think like manifestors naturally come together and, obviously have that experience of oh now I'm on the outside of that closed aura this is what it feels like to be on the outside yeah of it. like I can't naturally see you I can't naturally understand you like I don't know what you're thinking and I don't know what you're doing and you're a little bit unpredictable and like <laughs> you, you gotta tell me what is going on here but also I think because it's it's the kind of the rightful place for us to always be in that initiation not necessarily leadership but to always be in that going down your own path and initiating your own things sometimes when we're in a relationship or some kind of connection with another manifester it the timing of that can bang into each other Mm -hmm. where it's like but I want to initiate this down this path and you want to initiate this thing down this path and how are we both going to do that if we need to be supporting each other so I mean I've really found that there's it's just a I mean, to be very like Disney frozen about it, it's very much just about letting it go. It's like, I don't, if the timing is not there, right? If it feels like we're pulling in two different directions, then I will go my pathway and you can go your pathway. And at some point we'll converge. And of course, along the way, we'll find a way to support each other. Like it doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be your way or my way. It can be both of our ways, just maybe a little bit separately. Mm-hmm. for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you put that, especially with the the separation piece. You know, I think manifestors, we often have our own paths, right. And like, even my partner is, I think you said your, your partner's a generator as well, or manifesting generator a projector. My partner's oh, a projector, sorry. but I have a, no, that's okay. I have a kid who's a projector, a kid who's a generator and a kid who's a manifestor. So we got, a, we got them all pretty much. Yeah. Really? So <laughs> yeah. fun. Um, yeah. So, you know, with my partner, I often find that's something where it's like, I'm, you know, I do my little manifestor thing and I go like running a thousand miles a minute in whatever direction. And he's kind of just like, Whoa, like what's happening? What are you doing? Like, don't you ever think about me? And it's like, (laughs) I try, you know, but it's just like, (laughs) it's not something that comes naturally. It's like, you get these surges of energy and it's like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. And then off you are right. And obviously the informing piece is there to assist us, um, or assist them, (laughs) assist both. Maybe, um, it's not my favorite thing to do. Of course, it's not, I think the favorite thing of many manifestors, because it's like, I have to slow down. I have to do this. I don't want to. Um, so I'm guess I'm curious, especially with all of your work with so many manifestors, something that I, struggle with myself is like kind of this idea of like manifestor guilt for sort of being like a little bit of an asshole. And it's Mm. like, (laughs) not that I think I'm more important than anyone else, um, because I don't, but it's just how my energy works. And it's like, I'm, you know, again, our, our auras are so dense and kind of like enclosed that it's like, I'm focused on what I'm focused on. And I get this surge of energy and I go this way. And then it's like the impact 
oh, oops, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think um, this is one of the challenges that that manifestors and, and I as well experience, particularly just in the human design space. There's so much amazing yeah. teaching in the human design space. It's so cool, except that all the teaching about manifestors is really like, you guys do you follow your own rules and go your own path and like, you know, take it wherever you want to go, except that that's a beautiful notion and none of it's incorrect, except that in reality, that makes you an asshole. It <laughs> makes you a jerk to do those things. Like it's not, nobody gets brought up telling, you know, being told like, it's fine. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing and you don't, you don't, you know, have to follow any rules. And we get taught the complete opposite, just like everyone else. And so firstly, there's a lot of complexity and social conditioning around that, that we have to unlearn as manifestors. Yes, that um, we can't be like everybody else. And it actually is okay for us to just do our own thing. That's why we are energetically designed this way. And that's why it's good for us to do that. Informing, yes, is a super key part of that, but it's a conscious habit. It's never going to come to you naturally, like everybody else's strategy will. So there's a challenge like straight away into that manifesto journey of being told, hey, go rogue, like follow your own path, do what you want to do. And then feeling like, I don't know if I can actually do that because this is the first time I'm being told that. And I feel like when I do that, it's actually kind of shitty. Mm -hmm right? It's actually not great for me to do it. So I think there's a middle ground. We do have to come to a place of maturity within ourselves where we recognize other people are going to be impacted by what I do, hopefully in good ways, but sometimes maybe in not so good ways. And I have to be responsible for my collective role, all of this. Like I'm still, I'm still a person. I'm still a human in a community, in a mm -hmm. family, impacting all of these people around me. And I'm doing that even more so because I'm a manifestor. So I'm impacting them without even knowing that I'm impacting them more, how they're receiving that. And I do have to take responsibility for how those things get received, right? While also not allowing that to be so limiting that it stops me doing from mm -hmm. what it is that I feel called to do. It can feel honestly like walking a tightrope sometimes, yeah, especially as females. I have witnessed that male manifestors don't seem to struggle with that as much, just that kind of patriarchal structure of society. Yeah. I think like female manifestors tend to show up more with wounding around people pleasing um, mm -hmm. because we've been taught that that's what we need to do. So there's a bit more of an unlearning that needs to happen for female manifestors. But um, yeah, there are some days that I still feel drowned by that and I'm years into this journey. So it's not unusual for us at all to struggle with that. Yeah, same. And I'm curious about your experience with the unlearning piece or like what your experience kind of growing up as a manifestor was like, you know, I was, I grew up in a family of projectors. Um, my dad's a mental projector. My mom's an emotional projector. My brother is an emotional projector. So it's like all projectors, right? There's not a sacral energy in sight. <laughs> and I really grew up with this kind of conditioning of like, you can't just do that. You know, like you can't just do that, Kate, you can't just do this. You can't just whatever. And for them, that was true. 
right? It's like the projector energy doesn't work that way. And so it's like, they really had a lot of experience of not being able to just do that. And life doesn't just work this way. And I very much grew up being the people pleaser, you know, um, up until I was 29, when I demolished my entire life and got divorced and went back to Canada and quit my job and all this, you know, Saturn return fun stuff. Um, and it, it was really a process and it was really difficult because it's like, I, it was also the time that I discovered human design to release this entire other identity because human design was the first thing that spoke to that part that I was like, Oh, maybe I do have some sort of power or capacity for this. Like it feels like there's something here and it's so different from how I've been living. So I'm curious what your experience was like in in terms of conditioning growing up as a manifester. Yeah. 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 Well, my mom is an MG, an emotional (laughs) MG. And I have always found that the manifester MG relationship can be particularly fraught. It can be particularly challenging. Um, I think probably because we have so many similarities in that manifest energy, but then stark differences with the access to that generator energy. And I, I find often that MGs struggle to see that we're different and don't, you know, and not expecting us to be the same. Um, the rest of my family were all generators. So all of my siblings were all generators. My dad was a, a, is a splenic manifester. And the narrative in our family was um, my dad's a one three right and he was a white (laughs) right like white upper middle class male and he just did whatever he wanted he did whatever he wanted because like why wouldn't he you know like life was one great experimentation for him he's now in his 70s life continues to be one great experimentation for him um he doesn't really see any limitation to what he desires he does get annoyed if he has to stop and explain himself to people. And um, I was talking to him recently about that. And he said, Oh, like if I stop and tell people what I'm going to do, then they'll just try to talk me out of it. So it's much easier for me to just go ahead and do it and then tell them about it afterwards. And then I don't care if they're annoyed. <laughs> it's like, Whoa, manifest needing to learn informally. Yeah. Right <laughs> um, so the narrative in my family was very much like, don't be like that. Mm. don't do that because that's selfish and that's self-focused and that's narcissistic and that's damaging to everyone and um, there's no value in it and it's just disruptive you know my mom wanted things to be very steady and and very focused and and very um predictable Mm. right and so whenever I was unpredictable which was all the time yeah all the time (laughs) all the time um I that was I mean at best it was just kind of criticized and at worst it was really slammed down Mm. um and so that took me it took me a really really long time to not be like that and and even still in that dynamic with my family I mean I I think they're coming to terms with it. Even just the last few years, they've gotten a lot more used to this human design language that seems to give them some like plausibility in, in like, oh, Holly's not crazy. She actually <laughs> that she's meant to be like this. Um, but there is still that sort of like just shrug your shoulders. They're kind of like, oh, well, Holly just does 
probably does whatever she does. And, and there does seem to be like a genuine surprise within my family when the things that I do succeed, which thankfully is a lot of the time now, because most of the stuff that I do is in alignment. So um, I find that frustrating still, and I can find that hurtful. It's kind of another reminder to me of, oh, we are still really misunderstood. Like people just still really don't get it. And sometimes you can um, inform and explain and connect with people and they're just not really going to be at a place where they want to accept the magic of the way that this all works. Um, But I, I think that that has come from just having a much more overarching desire of, even though that's what I have been taught for nearly 40 years, that doesn't mean that I need to have ownership over that narrative. I don't, I don't need to believe in that perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, I can believe it in, in an entirely different way. And um, when I learned that my youngest kid was a manifester, that was a real charge for me because I thought I cannot fathom a lifetime for him of growing up with a manifester parent and being told don't be like that. All of these uh-huh. things that feel familiar and feel correct, I do not do that because that's wrong. So I wanted to create an environment for him that was as open as possible, right, and as helpful as possible, even little things like teaching him to inform. He's only eight. He already knows how to inform. Mm-hmm. It's, it's already pretty effortless for him because he's been doing it since he was five. So just that ability alone is really, it's game-changing. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I hope, I mean, fingers crossed <laughs> that when he reaches adulthood, that's going to create a really different experience for him being in his energy type. But I don't think that my experience is, is all that different to a lot of other people. No, I think, you know, I, not that it's a competition between the energy types, but I really feel like for the most part, uh, manifestors are the most conditioned out of their type. Because as children, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but as children, it's so difficult. What do you do with this little powerhouse? It's just like trying to go off and do things. And you're the parent that's trying to keep your sanity and keep them safe and, you know, do the things that like parents are supposed to do, especially, you know, a couple of decades ago. Like I think parenting has shifted a lot for a lot of people over the past, you know, several years. But yeah, what do you do? What do you do with a manifestor child? I often get this question of like, how, how can you teach them informing when you're like, well, no, you can't, you can't do that. That's going to be a no. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I would love, 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 love at some point in my life to say, you know what? I've worked out this whole parenting and manifesting thing. You haven't done that yet? (laughs) I mean, I am eight years in and I have learned a few things, but I am by no means on top of that game. Um, Yeah. It's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard work. It's, it's given me a much more compassionate perspective on what my parents were doing mm-hmm. yeah. as yeah. parents, right? With me as a child, um, the natural instinct, even I as a manifester in full awareness of exactly what my son is doing and being, even my immediate response is to say, shut him down, control mm-hmm. him. <laughs> I like, say no he's too unpredictable he's too threatening he can't just do whatever he wants right and and my husband because he's a projector he's a four six splenic projector and um 
he is is much more impulsive with it. He's really like, no, he just he can't. He can't do those things. Because <laughs> right? like that's just not the way the world works. That's that's not the system. It's not the process. Yes. Um, so he's he's still learning to be a lot more um slow in his reaction, right? Mm-hmm. And take that time to think through. I still very often need to take 10 steps back from my kid and say, is it really important that I stop him from doing this? Mm-hmm. Is it really important? Because if it's not, then I'm not going to stop him from doing it. If it is important that he, he doesn't do this because it's dangerous, because it's damaging, because there's a better lesson somewhere else, whatever that may be, then I will put my energy into taking that journey with him. Mm-hmm. Also knowing that that journey is really tiring for me as a manifest of mother, right? Like even just the fact that he's an emotional being and I'm splenic, I'm like, dude, your emotions are wild. <laughs> Out of they control. Are. Yeah. What, like, I don't what know wave does he have? It. He is the individual wave. The 1222? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. But he is also, he's single definition. So he's got this full connection from his throat to his spleen, to his root, to his emotional solar plexus and back up to his throat. Oh my so God, that's cool. Yeah. Literally everything comes out of his mouth. Wow. Everything. There's not a single thing that he feels ever that does not come out of his mouth. <laughs> So, so wait, does he have hard. the entire individual wave, like the 3955, 1222? He, he does. Wow. Okay. Yes. That's a lot of emotion. <laughs> He's powerful. He's a powerful little dude. And, um, you know, that is a struggle for me at the times when I start thinking, no, I, I know how to be like this. Mm-hmm. Like I know how to be a manifester and I know what's correct for, you know, what's in alignment and what you should do and what you shouldn't do and all these lessons that you need to learn. And I have to sit down and take a minute and realize like uh, he's different and he's he's equally as correct Mm -hmm. he's just he's different to me Mm -hmm. right and that's that's all right but I also do love the moments of of parenting a manifesto where you really get to see them in their power there's like this cool trade-off of like oh if I give you your space even though that's really hard for me to do because like you want to learn how to make a sandwich and there's crap all over the bench. <laughs> You've said no to me 50 different times in the last hour. Um, seeing them get to have ownership of mm. that power and that real, you know how we get that, just that wave of joy, that influx of joy when we're like, I desired something and I initiated it. Like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> the world is complete and everything is right. It's that really that, that peace theme, right? Um, seeing that in him in such a pure form, it's like, mm, okay, maybe mm. this is worth it. Maybe the yeah. challenge of parenting, this is worth it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing. I can like feel the feeling of it, you know? It's so <laughs> yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. So then I want to touch on what you said, because when I heard that you had, you have three kids, right. Mm, yeah. And you run a business. Yes. I'm like, how, <laughs> <laughs> how do you do this? Like as a manifester, how do you do this as a human? I mean, I don't have children, oh, yeah. but it's, it's something that really like perplexes me. Cause I'm like, I cannot imagine one having to run my life around other beings, which makes me feel like terrible and selfish. And that's a whole other thing. But in terms of the energy factor of like having three children and a very successful business, like how do you manage the energy of that? 
I'm tired all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I just am always tired. Even when I'm in a creative cycle, like I'm still tired. I still need to (laughs) stop and have breaks. Um, You know, I've, I've witnessed in myself that it has made my energy cycle transitions much more fluid, right? They're much more gray and nuanced. Like it's less, oh, I've, initiated and I'm in my creative cycle and I've got this energy and now that's used up and I go into my rest and I focus on my rest and I let that happen and then I come back into creation um there are a lot of times where I'm like oh there are so many other factors at play here like am I in a creative cycle but am I tired because my kids have needed a lot Mm -hmm. more from me at the moment or because there's a lot of stuff happening in the business and I need to be contributing more to that and I think it it (laughs) It's given me the opportunity to be a lot more gracious with myself and with my energy, understanding that there are genuine limitations on the things that I can do and that's okay because it's all just timing, yeah? It's all like that timing will be different in a few years. I mean, in the parenting scope, like my kids change every single year and the needs that they have change every single year and so... There's never this like steady line of this is this is how much energy I need to put into parenting, X amount yeah. over here to parenting, X amount over here to business. It's always fluctuating and it's always changing. And in a weird sort of ironic way, it makes it always new. It mm-hmm. makes it always fresh and always interesting and curious. And, and it feels to me like, you know, defined ego, very defined ego. I'm like, that's a cool challenge, isn't it? let's dig into that how are we going to master that and how are we going to deal with that I think that the the other thing that's really distinct too is that I'm quad left which is pretty unusual in manifestors and it gives me this uh sort of strange dualism in Mm -hmm. my energy where I'm splenic and I'm a manifestor so I'm very kind of flowy and unpredictable and taking the unwalked road but then I'm also very structured and I'm very routined and I'm very rhythmic. Um, and I, I think that that really is what gives me the ability to do this and to mm-hmm. keep moving through it. And on the days that it doesn't feel like I'm really able to manage it, <laughs> I try to come back to the understanding that none of this was random. I chose all of this mm-hmm. for myself in this life. You know, it's, um, I chose to have three children and I chose to have this business and all of those things are correct for me. So there has to be some way that I can do it. It's just that I can't do it like everybody else does it. I mean, I I look at like generator friends of mine or manifesting generator friends of mine that have kids and business and they're like, oh, gosh, yeah, I just work at 10 o'clock at night when the kids are in bed. And I think, honey, I am toast by 2 p.m. I'm I'm finished. (laughs) That's all I can do. If I got three hours of work done today, I cheer. That's a that's a really big day for me. So you know, appreciating that we don't have to do it normally, but it Mm -hmm. it can be done. And tiredness should be an accepted part of the journey. Yeah, I, I appreciate you for saying that. So thank you. Cause I know it's like there's different, there's different cycles, right? And it, there's different periods of our lives where it's like, yeah, you have young children. You're probably gonna be tired, <laughs> you know, energy type, whatever aside. Like it's just part of it. Um, I'm curious from the work side of things, because you know, if you're 
I'm sure it's not every day is like this, but if you're getting three hours of work done or uh, you have a team that you work with, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you so, manage that as a manifester? I just made my first hire in my team recently. And part oh, of yay. me is like, I know I'm like excited, but then I'm like, oh, like they're going to be asking me things and I'm going to have to like be stopped. And it's so like, come on. And I know in the long run, this is what needs to happen. You know, I know that I've been working way too hard for way too long. Um, but it's just like, how do you manage that in terms of the amount of work that you do in terms of managing a team in terms of like putting all that together as a manifester? Yeah, you get really good at informing. Mm-hmm. Like really, really good at informing and continually practicing that. I, I can very clearly identify it in the team when things are starting to feel chaotic or heavy or too challenging. It's because I haven't informed on something, usually just because yeah. I've completely forgotten, right? Because it's never going to come easily. Um, but we we run a team of five. We have five staff. Three of them are manifestors. So the, the core team. Are, it's all manifester energy. Um, and then we have two projectors that sort of work like externally on the outside. Um, I deliberately set it up that way. I, mm-hmm. I wanted a space of staff that felt safe for me. And having people who instinctively understand certain things about me, like understand that I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of work and then disappear for a while and understand <laughs> yes. that, you know, when I'm informing like it's a big effort for me to inform (laughs) so they all cheer like whenever we're informing each other we all go thank you so much thank you as though we've just run a marathon like yeah it was really amazing um and we've put we've put a lot of systems into place to make Mm -hmm. some of those things effortless um we have, for example, just before I came onto this call, I was writing our business updates for the month. So at the beginning of every month, I just like inform dump into a document and say, this is everything, guys. This is everything that's happening. It's all here. Basically, this allows me to not have to tell you all as individuals mm-hmm. about what's going on. And, and also, like, don't come to me with any questions if they're already answered. <laughs> in this document, right? Because I've informed once and it's done and it's all there and you can take that. Um, And there is a really kind of beautiful space of respect for that because we all have that same Mm -hmm. energy type. But, you know, I really think that as manifestors in business, we get super touchy about using systems, about like using these automated processes or just recurring processes because we seem to have this notion that it's going to lock us into a box. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, oh, I need to be completely free I need to you know like have my wings able to fly and do whatever I want at the time and I'm all for that I love it except that business the modality of business is a very structured masculine procedural thing yeah it's designed to run on systems that's how you grow business that's how you scale business there are good ways to do it and there are bad ways to do it for sure (laughs) Um, but I, I think that we need to start as manifestors in business, we need to start viewing things like automated systems, things like communication processes, um, really making like clear boundaries with your staff. If you've got staff to say like, this is when I'll inform you. This is when I won't, this is when you can interrupt me. This is when you can't all of those things. 
they are not designed to limit us. They actually are designed to take care of a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be happening without us needing to be involved in it. So they give us freedom. They give us freedom to move mm-hmm. forward. You know, and for me, like I, I've been in business for a super long time and it, it's, it's been a kind of a wild journey. Like I was in brick water business and I, I owned a cafe for several years with um, a lot of stuff. We had nearly a hundred stuff and we wow. traded seven days a week and I worked 90 hours a week and I was always, always on my feet and always interrupted. And my name was always being called and I was always problem solving everything. So for me, the transition to the online space where my team is remote and if I don't want to talk to them, I just don't open my phone or my computer. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this is a pretty sweet deal, really. <laughs> this is pretty good. You mean I can nap whenever I want to? Okay, I'm here for that. Yeah, I'll yeah. take that all day, all day. <laughs> I think I had three lie downs today. I um, accidentally sort of overscheduled myself. So I've had six calls today and uh, that's a bit much for me personally, but um, yeah, for one of them, I went to the beach and for the other two, I'm just like, I'm just going to lie down in between calls and not do anything. You know, it's like, it makes such a difference to be able to do that where it's like, if you're in an office or if you're yeah running a cafe, you're not just like, I'm going to go take a nap in the back room. See y'all later. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's such, I such good like recognition. Yeah. Recognition of that is really important. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Like identify these pockets in your business where you are able to do those different things and you are able to kind of be the weird person and do it separately. I think we're so focused on, Hey, what are other people doing? That's already been proven that Mm -hmm. I can do like, Oh, other people are doing the four day work week. Maybe I should do the four day work week. And inevitably we try to stick ourselves into that and then we get bored and it doesn't feel correct for us. So I understand where you have spaces in your business to do those things. And, and also like, don't be afraid to not do something, right? Like last week, I was tired. I was like really, really tired. Last week, I've been in a rest cycle. There was heaps of stuff piling up. My kids were going back to school after summer break. And, you know, we had a podcast episode due. And I said, just call it. We're not doing it. Yeah. Like we're not, we're not releasing a podcast episode this week. Inform the audience. <laughs> That's it. Which two years ago, I would have really struggled. Yeah. to make that decision yeah and now it, it seems fairly effortless so there is there's a journey in that right of like just let yourself own the spaces that you can own mm-hmm. yeah and I relate to that a lot of like you know with the podcast episode of just being like yeah we're just not gonna do it um I for a long time really believed that it's like oh you have to be really consistent in order to be successful in business like I'm a two four profile I'm a manifester and I have the 1222 emotional wave. There's no consistency in this system, <laughs> you know, like there just isn't. Um, if I'm not in the mood for something, it's not happening. If I just happen to like trip down a hermit hole, I don't know, I'm in there until I come out, right? Um, and it's so difficult. And so that's something that's given me so much peace in my business is to have these lived experiences. And generally what this looks like for me or what it has looked like in the past is launching and then literally just disappearing for like a month. And I'm like, whatever, it's fine. You know, no one's going to like call the Instagram police. Cause I haven't been posting like, it's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> right. Um, 
And it takes some time to build that trust to be like, oh, it's okay. Like I can actually trust my energy and it's actually better to let myself rest, to let myself in my case, you know, hermit than to force myself to show up because it's just like, it's like, it feels terrible for me. And it's not whatever I'm creating is going to be terrible as well. Like it's not Mm -hmm. going to be good. It's not going to be resonant. And so, yeah, giving yourself that, you know, permission where it's just like, "Mm, yeah, we're not going to do this. Like I'm going to call it, I'm going to do what's best for me. And we don't have to do business, how other people think business has to look. So I appreciate that. I'm curious. Um, I heard, I can't remember who said this. I, I came across this recently, some online human design person saying that manifestors should never be employees. And I was like, mm. <laughs> oh I mean, my God, listen, don't, don't tell hated. us what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, personally, I hated being an employee and I have no interest in being an employee for anyone, but to blanket statements say that an entire energy type should never be an employee or that you shouldn't hire a manifester. It's like, well, I don't think that's true. And you evidently have manifestors working for you. So I'm curious mm-hmm. if your thoughts on managing manifestors and like having them hired underneath you or in your team rather. Yes. I hate statements like that. Man, they <laughs> make my skin crawl. <laughs> it's like, don't you understand? You can't tell us what to do or who to be. It's not just when you think that we're going to go one way, we're going to be the other way. So no, all manifestors don't need to be self-employed. We don't all need to be in business. That's not going to fit for everyone. We have an amazing number of manifestors in our community who are incredibly successful in career, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I love that. I love that. I hated nine to five career. Did not want to do that. Did not want to be an employee. Tried several times, failed several times eventually came to the conclusion that it was just better to to do my own thing but um I also love having a team right I'm a four six like yeah I love those relational connections I love being able to have that place of shared wisdom and collective growth it's really important to me so I have found managing manifestors really easy honestly I found it easier to manage the manifestors than to manage the other energy types (laughs) because as long as there is plenty of autonomy mm-hmm. and freedom with the caveat of, right, because in a business we can't have people going in 50 different directions, right? We all need to be cohesively going in the one direction. So that autonomy and freedom, particularly within our team, comes with the scope of these are the walls, right? Like you can do anything within these walls. Yeah. Because this is the this is the direction that we're going to. And if you don't want to be in those walls, all good. You come and let me know and we'll break them down and we'll extend the house and we'll move it out. Um, because whatever a manifester wants to do to me is inherently good. Mm. It's sacred. It's never random. It's never pointless. It's never lazy. It's not because they just woke up one morning and decided not to contribute it's because they've used up their juice. They've used up their energy for that particular thing. So, I mean, a couple of ways that we manage it are um, we have rotating tasks within our team. So everything, most things, not everything, most things are sort of in a general pool within the business. And a staff member will take that under the job description for a certain period of time. And then they have openness to, to come to me and say, I'm done with this. 
don't really mm. want to do this anymore goes back into the pool and somebody else picks it up and if if no one wants to do it then we outsource we find somebody else who can take that on um that's even that's been a learning process for for the manis that work for me because it's so unusual yeah right? they're they're often like I know you said that I can do this, but I still feel really nervous about it. <laughs> I feel like I'm running out of like saying no passes or something. Um, but it means that they they always feel like they have free choice in in the work that they're doing. I don't want anybody doing work that doesn't feel good to yeah. them because then then you don't produce good work. Mm-hmm. And there is just nothing in the manifesto design that tells me that manifestors should be stuck on a, a pathway and then forced to be on there right I think that we're always the opposite um we also are very very autonomous yeah. so we don't have we don't have reporting we don't have check-ins we don't do staff meetings right the responsibility is on everyone as individuals to inform and communicate when there's something to inform that feels that. so, oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, ah, oh, can you imagine a workplace where you don't have to fill out these like bullshit reports <laughs> that no one even looks at anyways? <laughs> like, oh God. Yeah. That sounds like a dream. I love that. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty fun. And I, you know, over the last few years of doing this, I, I have come to realize how challenging that is for us. You know, how much we have learned to not be working in alignment with ourselves and um, how how kind of scary and strange and different but also wonderful it feels to mm-hmm. do things that that are correct for us. I mean, um, we always have the option in our team, it's even written into their contracts, you can pull out for rest at any point. You just say, that's it, I'm resting, I'll be back in when I'm back in, right? They have to inform, they have to communicate. And I'm I'm the same. I have to say mm-hmm. like, guys, I'm really tired. I'm, I'm disappearing for a few days or a week or whatever. But um, that, I wouldn't say it's perfect. I, I always like to think that there's like continued growth and depth and evolution to everything. And, and there's no like one single stream of success and, and how to get things done amazingly. But I have witnessed that this environment has created extraordinary growth and extraordinary Mm -hmm. success. And it does feel largely effortless. It feels very easy to do that. Um, So it's got to be something in there that's working. Yeah, that's so inspiring to hear how you run a business like that. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. And there's so many directions that I want to go from what you just shared, but I really love what you just said about the whole idea of like the, what manifestors are doing, how it's sacred, you know, it's like, Mm. there's, there's a purpose behind it. There's like, there's meaning to it. And it's something that I realized in, I guess it was December how I'm like, oh, I have been mentally sort of categorizing my manifestor urges of like the ones that are essentially rational, that make sense, that I see how they're going to move my business forward. I see how they're going to have an impact. And then there's the ones that I had been categorizing as like frivolous or silly. And so a lot of this looked like all work and no play because it's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I, I, like, I have this 
urge to initiate this thing. I'm going to initiate this thing. But when it's like, oh, I have an urge to do, um, I don't know, like I love spas, right? So it's like, oh, I have an urge to go to the spa, but it's like, well, really, like, didn't you just go last weekend? And like, if, do you really want to spend that much money? And like, you just went there, you should go somewhere different. And it's like, no, stop arguing with your urges because it's like, who am I to know? Or who am I to decide what urges are, you know, important and which aren't? Because I don't know where they're going to end up. I don't know what, what value is going to come from them. I don't know, you know, and so it's been leaning into trusting these urges I judge to be like frivolous or, um, silly or unimportant. And it's actually been incredible to start doing these things. And I'm like, Oh, this is fun. Like, this feels so good. I love this. Um, so it's something I've really been experimenting with. Um, I'm, I'm challenging myself kind of this year to really lean into that more, but I'm curious of, you know, your thoughts on kind of trusting what I look at anyways, for manifestors is like the manifestor urge and like trusting these things that you're here to initiate. How do you build up that trust? What challenges do you think are there? Yes. I love that you use the word trust. Love, love, love. That's in, in my experience of myself and in working with a lot of other manifestors, that is the discovery Mm -hmm. around urges. It, trust trust is and trust is the access point right trust is the growth it is the expansion and I think we start off initially saying to ourselves like oh I can't I can't trust that I can't pursue that urge because other people won't trust it other people won't give me permission other people won't understand it and when we peel back those layers we understand it's actually because you're not trusting yourself it's not about Mm -hmm. other people because whatever you do as long as you trust that and are pursuing that other people are on board remember like the aura is magnetizing as well as repelling Mm -hmm. and so there are people who will get so inspired by that and jump on board with that and even though they don't understand it right they're just they're in it they're with you and they think it's amazing whatever you're doing recently I cut all of my hair off definite creative which looks incredible thank you I appreciate that (laughs) and um you know it was so like oh I don't oh, can I do that? And is that going to be okay? And I don't know. It's And I, I was so angry at myself because I thought this is so meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's just hair. Firstly, why do I even have a creative urge about this? Secondly, why do I even care what other people think about it? It's dead cells growing out of my head. <laughs> like it's, a, there's a purpose behind this. There's a mm-hmm. meaning behind this. And in cutting it off, I've now had so many conversations with manifestors who've said, you know what, a year ago or six months ago or 10 years ago, I shaved my head just because I felt like I just had the urge. I, I genuinely, I've spoken to about 20 plus manifestors who have had that <laughs> experience. Um, isn't it crazy? And so I'm still like having the joy of like pulling that all apart and wondering, oh, well, what, what did that mean? I can see that it has an impact. And I'm not fully aware of exactly what that ripple is, but that's okay. I don't mm-hmm. need to fully understand it. It's not my, not my role to exactly. understand how it impacts. It's just my job to do it. Yeah. So that trust can be in very, very small things, yeah, that seem insignificant, like mm-hmm. can I trust my urge to cut my hair off? Can I trust my urge to go to the spa when I want to? Can I trust my urge to eat dinner at 9 p.m. tonight? 
Can I trust my urge to take the day off work, right? Like, can I trust my urge to do bigger things, to sell all of my belongings and, you know, move to the wilderness and disappear mm-hmm. from the world? Can I trust my urges to leave my corporate nine to five and start a business? The, the more that we do this, this is what I've realised. That trust system is like a muscle with yep. the creative urge. So the more frequently and the more, um, the more we dive into that energetic relationship of surrender with the urge to say, I don't know why you're here and I don't know what purpose you have and I don't know how this is going to be valuable, but I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it wholeheartedly completely in it 100% until it's done, Mm -hmm. until I'm disconnected, until I'm bored, until it's over. And I'm going to trust that that means something, that at some point to someone somewhere in history, that's going to mean something. And when we do that, I have found that the next creative urge that comes through is a bit bigger and a bit wider. And the next one bigger and wider again and so we create this relationship with our urges that that are they're always challenging us Mm -hmm. they're always challenging us I think that if we reach a place where our urge feels comfortable and it feels certain and it feels easy I'd argue it's not an urge it's probably an idea yeah (laughs) like it's not meant to feel comfortable It's meant to feel new. It's meant to be expanding you as the vessel, expanding you as the conduit, bringing that person, that not that person, bringing that urge into the world as much as it's expanding the people around you who are waiting to receive it. Yeah, like we seem to forget as manifestors that what we're here to do is to bring new things. Mm -hmm. We're here to initiate new energies, new creations, new businesses new relationships new communities whatever we're always doing something new and the value of newness is that it's not proven Mm -hmm. so of course it's fearful of course it's uncertain of course you don't trust it of course you doubt it because you've never seen it before so how do you have any sense of trust in that other than the the trust that you create for yourself yeah yeah yeah. And so I, I want to expand a bit on this idea of manifestors here doing new things, because mm. I remember when I first came across this concept, I was like, Oh, but I don't know what this, like, what is this like new thing I'm going to do in the world, you know? And then when I would get urges, I would kind of overthink them. Like, you know, the first like major, like life-changing urge I would say that I got was really to create HD school, which is my online program. And I fought that for months. Cause I was like, no <laughs> one wants to learn from me. There's other teachers already. Who am I to do this? You know, whatever. But I'm like, it's not new. The system isn't new. Like, you know, and I think there's, and I'm, I would love to hear your perspective, but I think it's like, it's new for you. It's not that it's like this brand new thing in the whole world, never been done before. And listen, absolutely. There's going to be manifestors that are very, you know, individual and mutative and are bringing just completely new things into the world. And sometimes it's just new for you. Like, it's not like, oh yeah, I did this 17 times. So let's do this again. This is an urge. Like, no, that's not an urge, but what's your thought on like the newness of it? I think newness is an energetic state, right? Mm. Newness, newness is not about the concept. It's not about the idea. There, there is no new idea. There is no new concept. We've seen everything across the history of time. Everything has always been created or is always a creation off the foundation of something else. 
things, right? So nothing is done in isolation and nothing is in and of itself completely new. It That says to me, you know, exactly what you said. It's it's new to me. The, the way that I am approaching this, the way that I am bringing this creates a newness to it because even if I'm taking something that has already been done by somebody else, even if I'm taking the human design system and I'm going to teach human design, it has never been taught with my energy mm-hmm. before. It's never been taught with my perspective before, right? And I have found that the, the more you allow that to just release and just let go, like hey, it doesn't need to be, you know, the idea of like a million-dollar idea. I hate that statement. It's like it doesn't need to be lucrative or genius or out of the box. It just needs to be unique to you it just needs to be the thing that is coming through you that doesn't want to let go of you right Mm -hmm. that's grabbed you and said create me initiate Mm -hmm. me let me come out because in just choosing to initiate it in choosing to be part of that really beautiful divine process of of being that conduit that lets that thing come into the world you then see that the initiation has an energy of its own Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you've created then then is its own its own energy its own like source its own thing and it grows and it shifts and it it changes like I go back and I look at some of the creative urges that I've had that I've pursued and and I think did I do that Did did I actually make it like that like I don't remember doing that but I think that we need to understand as manifestors that we are here to be that life-giving process, mm. right? We're here to take things from the 5D where we sense them and bring them into the 3D and then they're out, they're, they're birthed, they're done and they will have whatever life they need to have. So we don't need to doubt whether it's um, fresh enough or new enough or alternative enough or genius enough or out of the box enough. We just We just need to birth it which is also why we're constantly tired because <laughs> we're constantly giving birth to things, right? <laughs> yeah. And so speaking of that, I was listening to some of your podcasts this past weekend and you were talking about this five month rest cycle that you took. And yeah. part of me is like, oh my God, that sounds like a dream. Um, but I'm also curious, um, like what does that look like for you? Because I feel like at least at this state for me, my urges don't give me a break. It's like, mm. you know, I take like a, a day off and then it's like, we got something new. Let's go. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh God, already. Can I have a few more days? You know? Um, so I'm curious what, what it, this five month rest cycle looked like for you? Like, what did you do? What, what did it feel like? What was the, the starting point of it that you're like, Oh yeah, we need, we need some time. Yeah, I used to find that I was in exactly the same position as you, right? Like these, oh, and the urges come and I initiated and then I get a couple of days and then bam, there's another one and bam, there's another one. And um, that was most of my 2020, actually, sort mm-hmm. of from like half, half, half the way through 2020 and into the beginning of 2021 was just bang, 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 like creative urges coming out. And um, I actually got kind of comfortable. With that, because mm-hmm. I felt like 
I'm on the golden ticket. Like <laughs> I've worked out now, like bring all of these urges through. And then, then I went into a big crash, a, mm. you know, a big, like a long five month rest cycle. And I would love to say that, you know, for the whole time I was very reflective and I was very deep and I was very wise, but by about halfway through, I was so frustrated and so done with it that I spent most of my days saying, are you done yet? Mm -hmm. Is it over yet? Can I please, can I please leave? It felt like a jail sentence. Mm. Um, And I, you know, we're talking in like some of the teachings and stuff that we have over here on my team, in particular, there's a masterclass on energy cycles, which is really helpful, where we talk about that breakdown of what's the mechanics of these energy cycles, because it's more nuanced than just creative cycle, rest cycle, creative cycle, rest cycle, right? We have a creative cycle. Yes, it's pretty archetypal. Like we get a creative urge, we initiate it, we're all there for it, we're all excited for it, and then we just are bored with it and we're done and we never want to look at it again. Yep, and then it's over. Yep, like a flash in the pan and then it's (laughs) The rest cycle, though, is actually two parts. So the rest cycle, we have that actual phase of the rest cycle where we are exhausted. Mm -hmm. It's recuperation, yeah, like we just did a huge thing. It was energetically very tiring, Um, so we feel physically debilitated it's that for me it's that sense of just before I'm about to get really sick you know Mm -hmm. like my body hurts and my head is foggy and you really it's a struggle to communicate it's a struggle to talk it's nearly impossible to do anything and we can stay there in that state anywhere from one day to several weeks or Mm -hmm. a couple of months right depending on the size of the thing that you just initiated Then we move from that into the much, much longer and far more annoying part of the rest cycle, which is not, it's not recuperation. It's just reflection. Yeah. I call it, it it is the void. Yeah. I call it the vacuum because Mm -hmm. what we're actually energetically doing in that space, although we have no control over it, is that we are creating a vacuum of space for the next creative urge Mm -hmm. to come into and that's why I pointed out that difference between, hey, in 2020, I was like creative urge, bang, 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 and rest and creative urge and rest. And then in 2021, I just went to a big, deep rest cycle because what I created after that rest cycle was five times bigger than anything that I'd ever created before. Yeah. Um, and then came up into a very short, like six-week creative cycle once again thought I was going to stay there forever and then crash back down (laughs) into the rest cycle and here we still are so I have come to the place of at least uh, feeling like there's a sense of trust within Mm -hmm. my system of I know that if I'm being held in this second phase of the rest cycle it can feel very pointless it can Mm -hmm. feel very resistant like I just want to get back in the world and I just want to get into doing things again Um, but I'm obviously taking the responsibility here to make space for whatever wants to come through me next. And I can judge the size of that thing that's going to come through next by how long I feel compelled to remain here in this. Not Like I said, not that we have any choice. It's an illusion. (laughs) We don't actually have any control (laughs) over any of it. It's just happening. But, um, you know, in that second phase of the rest cycle, 
it looks a lot more like doing the bare minimum. Yeah. Right. Like getting up and doing the stuff that you need to, to keep your life ticking over. And then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You feed yourself, you shower, you get up. If you're in business, you do your basic business tasks and then that's all. That's all. So like even in our business, I will write all of our content in a creative cycle Mm -hmm. because I know as soon as I hit a rest cycle, I cannot, I will not. It's, it's not necessary for survival. (laughs) So I will not write it. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think it's so important with the rest cycles, like you were saying to, to trust them and to give space for them, you know, and that's one of the things that I look back on and it's always so clear in hindsight, right? Um, in, in 2020, when things first started, um, I was living in Canada at the time when things locked down really quickly, probably fairly similarly for a lot of the world. Um, I was so burnt out. I was so exhausted. And I think I like slept for like a month straight, you know, like 10 hours a night. Like I barely did. I, you know, owned a business at the bare minimum kind of for my business. But it was really frustrating because it's like, okay, we're in lockdown. I have all this time. I can't go anywhere. I should be creating this and I should be filming that and I should be doing this. And it was just like, not going to happen, you know, like really not going to happen. And so pretty much like half of March, all of April, all of May, all of June, arguably a lot of July was kind of in this, like not really doing anything. And I got the urge in June, like quite strongly to create HD school, but I still didn't do anything. Like it wasn't quite time yet, you know, an emotional authority. So waiting that out. Um, but yeah, I look back and I always try to share this with them. Like from the outside, it looked like I was doing nothing, you know, And I see now that that was like the most productive period I've ever had, because if Mm -hmm. I didn't have that period, there's not a chance that my business would be the way that it is now. There's not a chance I would have been able to create what I created. And it's hard to trust that when you're in it, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's just why I always am urging people to experiment because it's like, you have to build the trust yourself. You have to just do it and have that kind of like little leap of faith And I think, you know, you, you mentioned you're the cross of consciousness. Is that right? Yeah, I am the right angle cross of consciousness. Yeah. I'm basically here to ask why. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like with that comes this, um, this level of, I don't know, kind of connection to like the universe or to trusting and which is ironic because like the gate 63, right. It's, I, I don't know where you have that in your cross, but it's like, it's there where it's like doubting everything and suspicious of everything. Um, but at the same time, you seem to have this like level of trust with it, that like, this is, this is working out that I'm sure has come through, you know, experimentation on your own part as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 My gate 63 is actually my conscious son. So okay. I am, I am all about doubt. All yeah. about <laughs> doubt. I have a very, very intimate, long-running relationship <laughs> with doubt. And learning, learning that uh, my ability to doubt things, um, to uncover truth mm-hmm. and to uncover meaning for them should never, ever be directed internally. Mm-hmm. Never. Yes, because that, I, exactly. That, right? It undoes me. It pulls mm-hmm. me apart. When I project that externally things and, and be lovingly critical of those and to question those and say, but is that, 
like, is that true? And is that right? And um, I've learned, I've learned to have a healthy level of doubt. I think with those things, Um, you know, that's so much, so much more aligned for me and so much more healthy. So instead of, um, you know, continuing on that pathway, like a lot of us have been as manifestors of, of like, doubting my energy and doubting my creative urges and doubting whether I could initiate anything and you get stuck in that paralysis right of I I can't be normal I can't be like everybody else but I also can't seem to successfully be myself either Mm -hmm. you know because I everything that I want to do I don't really do it because I just sit there and I think about it over and over and over again until I'm exhausted and I'm angry with myself and then none of it happens and then whoop we're back at the beginning again let's go around the mountain guys right and uh, that to me was a process of self-doubt mm-hmm. that especially as a splenic authority, really doubting yeah. my decision, yeah, really doubting my urges. I didn't have people around me to say, hey, you know what you want is good. In fact, I had the opposite. That's one of the reasons as well that I felt called to create a manifesto community because I looked I looked so hard for manifestors in alignment to be an example and I couldn't find people. Not a lot. Out there, yeah. Um, And if they were, they were very private, very closed off and really not not demonstrating anything that I felt could help me. So shifting that doubt from an internal thing to an external thing, I'm not actually going to doubt my my own rhythms i'm not going to doubt my own cycles i'm not going to doubt my own urges i'm not going to doubt my own decisions here i'm going to intrinsically trust them even if i don't understand them i'm just going to intrinsically trust them unless they give me a reason to not trust them Mm -hmm. it's trust first right like innocent until proven guilty trust Mm. before proven doubtful and then i'm right i'll share my energy of being able to doubt things on everything else around me yeah right so so when somebody says to me do you really think that you know like is that a good idea like example at the moment um we are promoting an in-person event in the united states right not super unusual for me prior to to the pandemic i was actually in and out of the states quite a bit even though i'm australian yes (laughs) yes i still do it it's fine um and you know there are people have been like gosh, like, why would you travel now? And is that really a good idea? And aren't you scared of doing that? And aren't things too expensive? And aren't they all up in the air? And especially in Australia, because Australia is not a particularly progressive nation, right? We're very like, I'll sit back with a beer. Thanks. (laughs) Um, And so really taking my ability to doubt things onto those Mm -hmm. interactions and say, is there truth Mm -hmm. in what they're saying? Is there truth in that perspective? Is there truth in looking at things in those ways? And if there's not, I've discarded. And if there is, then that's a part of, you know, my development through whatever this creative urge is taking me into, yeah, that I can shift my understanding of things and I can grow them and believe that that's always going to be valuable and it's Mm -hmm. always going to be good, but it doesn't have to take me off the path Mm -hmm. of, of what I'm doing here. And I think that's where we get this cool crossroad as manifestors where where we're collaborative right and and we're in community and we're in connection with people but we're rogue like it's really like I appreciate all of your interactions with me and building this thing together with me but I'm going to do what I'm going to do yeah thanks so much 
Yeah. I frequently on like my Instagram will put like polls up and stuff and be like, I'm just curious. I'm going to do whatever I want, but just curious, you know, like give me the input, give me the data, but I'm going to choose. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever, but just curious how you guys are feeling. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of this manifestor community you have in your in-person events, how can people work with you or be a part of this community? Yeah, well, I am largely on Instagram. It's pretty much where I hang out. It feels like the happiest place for me to be. <laughs> um, like all manifestors, it's a love-hate relationship with social media, right? Like, mm, I'm there if it works for me. And if it's not, it's just angering. Yep. <laughs> so um, on Instagram, I am at the Holly Marie. Our website is also theholymarie.com. All of our stuff is there. We have just a really broad range of a lot of self-paced passive manifesto learning some of them are light and easy some of them are like bite-sized some of them are are more in-depth it just depends where you want to go um we've pretty much now through all of the creative urges over the last two years I think we've covered every aspect of manifesto life manifestos in business manifesto energy initiating informing all of those things they're all there Um, I don't do any one-on-one work I don't do any coaching work it really doesn't suit for my energy it feels too responsive but we do run a manifesto certification program called the manifesto mastery certification and that reopens uh, once every year so it'll be at the end of 2022 that that opens and that's much more high touch and intimate Mm -hmm. with me Um, and of course this year we're doing in-person events which are super different and Mm -hmm super crazy and we're just on the wild ride of seeing where that's going to go so our first one is going to be in LA on the 26th of March so awesome that should be should be fun yeah that's so exciting well thank you so much for having this conversation with me Holly for sharing your wisdom and your manifestor expertise and experiences you know I so appreciate you I so appreciate you you know having the courage and trust to follow your urges and to create what you've created Um, so thank you for being here. Thank you. The joy is honestly all mine. It's such, (laughs) such a privilege to be here. So thank you for having me. Okay. There we have it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much. I have some new episodes, some new programs that are all going to be coming out shortly for you. I have a whole rebrand, new website, all this stuff coming out in the next few months. I cannot wait to share it with you. But for now, if you know a manifester, send them this episode. It's so helpful for us to understand ourselves better, to have, you know, an understanding of other manifestors that have their experiences as well. But until then, I love you all so much. See you next time.